Well, anybody who's listening to this, your ears do not deceive you. Anybody who's watching this, your eyes do not deceive you. This is indeed Tom Downey and, and Sophia Richmond who joins me for, for this show. However, this is not Formula Talk. This is indeed Grid Talk. And of course, in true Formula Talk-inspired fashion, one time is just so for myself. We still are live due to technical difficulties. Welcome back to the show. As I mentioned, my name is Tom Downey, and here today joining me is the lovely Sophia Richmond. We're going to discuss the qualifying for the 2023 Sao Paulo Brazilian, whatever you call it, Grand Prix. Just before we get into this episode, I must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. So, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and car games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifteen percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And also, please be sure to follow us on our brand new social channels at Crew Talk UK to stay up to date with the show. So, as I mentioned, it is Sophia who's joining me, and we are definitely talking about F1 and not anything else this week, which is going to be a surprise. Well, it's not that much of a surprise, because if it wasn't F1, it would actually be Sophia doing this intro as opposed to me butchering it. So, speaking of butchering things, let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Now, how about that for a segue? So, he, they have twice, uh, sorry, they, they have a man who has twice been on pole here, Valtteri Bottas, I believe 2017 and 2021, he was in pole in the Mercedes. He qualifies in the lofty heights of P18 and then qualifies plum last behind Logan Sargent. That's a bit of a reality check for them after a potentially promising weekend, last weekend. Do you think they've got any chance of any? They might be. Potentially. I did say that Bottas in the previous show could have had some good opportunities. As you mentioned, obviously has been in pole twice for it so far and has a lot of experience. We knew that they were going to be on the cusp of Q1 and Q2. I was not expecting it to be that bad. Um, but I knew that at least I was hoping for at least one of them to get into um, Q2 and we go from there. Probably more Bottas over Joe because obviously experience and as mentioned, pole. But... I think because both of them being out, I believe this is like the first time in a while that they've actually, oh no, it was AlphaTauri, I think. But first time like they've been both knocked out in a while. Do I think they're going to do well on Sunday? Probably not. I don't think now they have a chance for points unless something outrageous happens like the weather, which obviously we'll speak about at some point again. But yeah, it's not like I didn't need to start putting the focus in on Saturday and tomorrow's race and try to get some needed points, which might be still a difficult beat to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to take something quite quite impressive for, for, to, for them to get some points on Sunday. And just to say, if we do ever refer to it as tomorrow, we do mean Sunday. Obviously, this has been recorded on the Friday evening with like, questionable at best fibre doing its absolute best to interrupt, just like the weather did in Interlagos. So, on that note, we have Williams. Alex Albon qualified P15 just about, and I'm looking at the timings, just about made it out of out of, out of Q1. Ultimately, he is he starts seeing the race from P15 to, tomorrow because he, he qualified at, at the back in P2. They see mate Logan Sargent qualified P19. 
still on the back of the grid. Oh, sorry, sorry, it's still on the back row of the grid. Not starting in last place. He is right in there with the Alfa Romeo. He was, he was less than a tenth off the back of Bottas. So definite signs of improvement for him. And he's had. He was. It is safe to say he's slowly getting better. Do you think Albon can potentially sneak a point on Sunday? And do you think Logan can do enough this race weekend to further bolster his? Yeah, obviously it's still being decided whether that 2024 seat, who's going to take that second Williams. I will say for Alex as well, he was the only one that I remember hearing about track limits. It was the turn four track limits. He was so close to go into Q3, but then because of the track limits, he dropped down to a P15 and there wasn't really enough time to kind of him to do a cool one push lap because I think there's only two minutes left on the time. So he actually didn't really come out of the pits to do a proper another push because uh, his lap his time before the lap time was deleted was okay but obviously the track was evolving so quickly we saw that obviously in q1 where he was battling in the top like three a few times for it so i think for alex i think there is potentially a possibility that he can probably get some points we've seen even in free practice that that single free practice that he is doing quite well we know that williams does have some pace and some speed so i don't think it's unrealistic for him not to be on the cards i think also for sergeant with points we have to look as well come sunday like there might be some engine problems as well for some teams that might have some pit lane starts obviously we had that last year with kevin magnuson who technically was on pole but then had to start from the pit lane so wasn't on pole this track is so unpredictable that it could benefit Sargent. He might be able to start up higher in the grid if penalties um, come into play, depending on how bad slash good Saturday goes, depending on who you're talking to. It might be good for Sargent, but bad for a Haas, for example. I'm saying Haas as an example, but it could be actually that, let's be honest. But we'll see. I think it's not what they wanted. We knew Sargent would get, not really get into Q2. He was on the cusp a few times trying to get into Q2, but he's just back where he is. And that he, there's always going to be somebody that's like in the back row and it's realistically, statistically more so him for the rest of the season and just the season in general. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's safe to say Sergeant is where he belongs at the minute at the back of the grid. He's certainly not, he's, he's not set the world to like, but SOP at least continues to keep it out the barriers, which I, done, which I think he's done for about, ooh, three race weekends in a row now. Speaking of disappointments, Alpha Tauri, I'm for the savagery tonight. I'm I do apologize. Yuki Snowder qualified P sixteen. We did hear him remonstrating a bit on the radio. He, he was complaining I think he was complaining about Hamilton. I believe that was for a pit lane potential blocking incident. And we did see his on board. He came across, I believe it was an Alpine and and actually Hamilton in the pit lane. But he's qualified P sixteen ahead of his teammate Daniel Ricardo who was less than half a tenth, I th he was 0 0.014, I believe, of a second behind him. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's, I think it's perhaps a bit of a bump back down to reality for, for Al Alfred Tari. I don't know about you, Sophie, but I just want to say, after the Daniel Ricciardo hype train was in full force last week, I think perhaps, you know, the, yeah. Uh, the altitude may, may have helped all, all the rest of it, whereas this week they're perhaps... Do you think they're a bit more back, almost back where they belong? So with AlphaTauri, like you said, it pretty much goes to where we've been expecting it to be. I will say as well, and it was mentioned in Q1, 
in the history that we've been racing with qualifying, this is the closest distance between P1 and P7 in the Q1 of half a second. That is a big feat. That is crazy to show how competitive it is at a track that's obviously so historic. And as well, this is the first time that AlphaTauri has been knocked out since Silverstone for both of their drivers as well. So we we always knew that there was going to be one driver that has competency, got into Q2 or even maybe sometimes Q3. Our assumption was going to be Ricardo over Yuki because even though Yuki has had more experience right now this season compared to Ricardo, it's just obviously the driving styles. I will say as well, Yuki did have some problems coming out of that pit lane. There was so many issues going on about that pit lane. We'll mention it a few times as well in this show while we're still waiting for some investigations from the stewards to be announced as well if there's any penalties. But drivers weren't kept to the left when they should have been. And also because it's a blind corner coming out of that pit, Yuki got impeded more than once. I think he got impeded by both the Alpines as well into in Q1, which obviously then put him on a bad foot to start his final good push at the end of Q1. I, to be fair, I think both of them could have made it into Q2. I think that was very more realistic, I think, for them. I think maybe by the cusp, but that's pretty much it. But yeah, it was just track development as well. They came out at the right time. I think Yugi was like one of the last drivers to go across as well. So like he had all the opportunity, but I think it was just uh, bad driving, I guess, from Yuki. But yeah, it's fall from grace, I think. Obviously, we thought that um, Ricardo would be quite good, obviously, given how well Austin was. When it comes to tomorrow, though, I do think that they could do a lot better than what they're doing right now. When it comes to Sunday's race, points, probably not. On the verge of it, but probably not, let's be honest. I think there's going to be, unless there is a fall from grace of cars having engine problems or pit lane starts and letting the Alpha Tori start higher up on the grid, I think that is their best shot to get the points on Sunday's race. But who knows? Maybe the car is set up. Daniel Ricciardo also did say as well, they changed the car from FP1 to qualifying quite drastically. And he thinks that he could have gone into Q2 for sure, maybe even Q3. So let's see if they get it set up perfectly for Saturday's sprint shootout for the sprint race late on on Saturday evening. I wonder whatever Danny Rick's hoping, because if he thinks he can get into Q3 with that Avatari on, on this kit. I admire the confidence, I'll put it that way. Next step, uh, we're actually we're looking at cars who actually, well, teams rather, constructors, in fact, no, constructors, but both cars into Q2. Haas, now obviously, small fun fact, as you may or may not have seen on social media, Haas is the, is the only team on the grid where both drivers have had a pole position. And if that is not a five-star performance, let's see what is a five-star performance if you leave a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. God damn it, I nailed it. Ruby, you'll be proud of that one, my friend. Oh, my word, I was cooking that one, boys and girls. Yes, that one was sensational, if I do say so myself. But yes, no, it was... It was. It, yes, so Hulkenberg ultimately P11 and K-Mag P14. I believe K... I, I may have been slightly wrong in what I said earlier, where I said Yuki shouted about Hamilton. I I can't remember if Yuki shouted about Hamilton and K-Mag about a Ferrari or the other way around. I've got a feeling it was K-Mag complained about Ferrari as he entered Sector 2 in that, re- that amazing infield section, which I would love to drive in real life, but I live in the UK, so I doubt that will happen anytime soon. And then Hulkenberg, obviously, Paul City here with Williams back in, oh God, I want to say 2000, I think it's 2010, because uh, I think he was then out in 2011, 
I'm backing with Force India Racing Point of Force India of Aston Martin, a Spike and Midland F1 team in 2012, because that's definitely what they're called. Yeah, so, you know, has, how many times have we seen it this season? But they haven't, instead of asking you, how do you think they're going to get on tomorrow? I'm just going to say, what lap are they going to fall to the back of the grid by after they've tutored their rear tyres? Oh, I don't know. The issue is that it's also sprint as well. So obviously that's going to come into play as well. I'm mentioning it every time because we just never know. But Haas had some really good times in Q1 to begin with. And then obviously they just dropped off into Q2. It was a last, that last sector was pretty much everyone was getting yellows on their final push lap as well. So obviously that was when the weather started to change as well. So obviously winds, I'm just looking now, it's still pitch black on the circuit live. I'm, I'm seeing it on sky. Like it's still heavy raining. It, oh my God, it's absolutely pitch black still. So obviously the weather's making such a big difference as well. I don't want them to fall off. It would have been really cool if King Pack gets a pole for the sprint. That might be my bold prediction. I doubt it's ever going to happen. It happened last year when it was really bad weather, so who knows. But points, uh, probably, maybe. I think it's. I think for one, could be. I'm not saying which one for Sunday's race, but again, it's just... House has been so high and low. They've had some really good FP1 times or free practice times and a decent qualifying a few times for Q1 times to go into Q2, but then they drop off on the race. It's similar to like how Ferrari is. They're set up good for one-lap shootouts, but then when they actually come to the race pace, they're absolutely back of the grid. Obviously, right now, I believe they are 10th in the constructors as well, so they definitely need some points this these last couple of races, and I think... The sprint, given that you can get extra points, is probably the best opportunity that they can because at the moment they're going to finish 10th in all honesty when we go to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, absolutely. I'd forgotten they'd fallen to, I'd forgotten they'd fallen to 10th in the constructors. They really need something this weekend. But yeah, they're, uh, that middle sector, I do worry about their rear tyres because that house is so heavy and so abrasive on its rear tyres. And on a circuit like Interlagos, where it, but there's a lot of lateral load going through those tires, especially in that middle sector. The tires are going to be so hot and potentially overheating and then burned out as it comes into sector three. And then obviously that was a like 1.2 kilometer run down to turn one, I think Crafty said it was. I just, I fear for them. I think their opening laps will be good. But then after that, yeah, I, I can see them falling back. Next, we'll have a quick chat about the Alpines in true Alpine Renault style. Forgot about them. They qualified P12, P13 with Ocon and Gasly, respectively. There was, so Ocon did a 110.562 and Gasly did a 110.567. Both is their fastest laps in Q2. Now, Ocon was on the brinking Q1. He was P18, I believe, for a while, and then just about got himself into Q2. And Gasly was running last in, in Q2 and then got himself only up to P13. We've talked about reliability issues potentially this weekend, but once once Ferrari have a have a reliability issue like my brain just did on the on the strategy pit wall, what lot do you think Alpines will blow up? Because they do they're long overdue a DNF. Let's be fair, because they've been quite they've been quite reliable in the last few races. Do you think do you think they'll actually make seventy one laps both? I think so. As well, we also have to mention that both Arcon and Gasly have been summoned to the stewards for issues in the pit lane and one of them I believe it was Gasly which was going too slow on the down lap to create space. I think Stroll was another one that also had the same issue. Russell as well and Perez has a 
call as well to the stewards for various different reasons. It's either going too slow on the outlaps or not moving to the left and drivers having to take evasive action outside leaving the pit. There's a new rule that was set up for this weekend, given how Mexico was uh, for qualifying as well. So they put in a new rule and some drivers are not listening to it by the book. Shock. And so we're just waiting to hear back from the stewards to see if there is, because there is no precedent of this new rule. So we don't know if it's a fine, if it's a warning, if there's going to be penalties of positions as well. So that also might come into play because it might knock both Alcon and Gasly down the line as well. So they might be starting towards the back of the grid as well. We'll see. It might also maybe be a penalty more for the sprint than it would be for Sunday's race. Again, we just don't know at the moment. We've been tracking social media and seeing what's on the FIA website and Formula One website, but there's still nothing that has been posted as of right now while we're recording. But as you mentioned, liability issues. Alpine, I don't know. I think, I think they're not pushing the car too hard enough to have the reliability issues. I think they've been quite downplaying some of the driving and not putting too much onto the car as well. So I think if they push it too much, then yes, they will have the reliability issues. But at the moment, given how Mexico and Austin was for them, I don't think they're pushing it as hard than they probably should be doing because they're probably saving. Because right now, I believe they are very close to getting those penalties as well for exceeding the limits as well. So... There's only so many races left as well, so they don't want to get hit lane starts or five grid pl- five grid place penalties for the last two races of the season, especially Vegas as well, where it's unknown to all the drivers. So I think they're going to be a quiet race for both of them, for both the sprint and for the Sunday race, and just keep their head down and not make stupid mistakes. That's my goal and probably hope and realistic idea for both the Alpines for this weekend. Yeah, that's a fair point. There's like odds on each and different structures. They're not going to catch McLaren. Uh, I doubt they'll lose so much ground to to whoever's in P7. I can't think who's in P7. Uh, uh, Williams, of course. It's, so it's, they, they just need to keep their, keep their noses clean, keep their front wings intact. Reliability is a different question, but they have been better recently to their credit. But yeah, so we've just got to, we've just got to sit and hope for them, bless them. But just moving up into Q3, so this one pains me a little bit. McLaren, after the start of a quality session and a free practice session, they promised so much. They got it a bit wrong, didn't they? Landon Norris, ultimately P7, uh, and Piastri did not set a representative lap in Q3 as both drivers went out after the rest of the pack, which given... It was raining almost of biblical proportions not five minutes later, and that the sky looked like something out of a blockbuster movie. There's an incredible shot of, of the circuit, of the track looking up from Junkau, up over the main straight into, into turn one, and the sky, it looked darker than the sky is here. And if you, the video, everybody watched this video, if you can see at that window at the back, it looked darker than that, and it's pitch black here in the UK. At, again, McLaren, most people's second favourite team, a lot of people's favourite team. But, yeah, exactly. But, once again, a blunder. And, dare I say, if this was Ferrari, if this was Alpine, if this was someone else, we'd be ripping them a new proverbial. But, because it's McLaren, the darling of the F1 paddock, it would seem people are not necessarily highlighting these mistakes. I'm going to go out and I'm going to highlight them. 
because we've seen it a few times this season where potentially they've made strategic questionable strategic calls to Casilva somewhere they put the drivers on hards and it only eventually worked out it still cost Piastri a podium in, in that race they today where they've They've not put the cars at the front of the grid. If I was Lando, especially knowing the pace I had in that car, I'd have been screaming, saying, "Get me out to the front of the, get me out to the end of the pit lane. I need to go as soon as the green light comes on." You know, because look how it worked out for, you know, some people up above the grid, including Aston Martin, which we'll get to in a minute. I can't believe we haven't spoken about them yet because they're that high up. But so, I would say, do you think it's a missed opportunity? I think you're going to just say yes and then roll your eyes at me. And yeah, she's laughing, ladies and gentlemen. So that means absolutely. Do you think that if okay, I'll rephrase because I think that's given us our answer already. Do you think that if Lando had got out first or one of the first and then cars, do you think he'd be right in there with Verstappen and Leclerc at the front of the grid? I think he could have probably taken pole potentially, and he even said that in this interview as well. I think he was on track. The car was set up amazing. He is back behind it. And he was just consistently throughout qualifying up at the top. So I think Paul would definitely have been very much a consideration. And to be fair, it was quite an opposite as well, because McLaren is normally the team that always is one of the first for having both of their drivers out and qualifying. And Red Bull was always the last one possible, but they won 80. And Red Bull was one of the first teams always out, which worked to their benefit, maybe for Max Verstappen, not so much for Perez. But again, Perez was also potentially caught out by... Um, Oscar Piastri's yellow flag as well because he was shut just behind him. But yeah, no, I think Lando could have taken pole. I think Piastri could have had a good opportunity. He has some great pace. I remember like in Q2, he was second with, and then Alex Albon was P3 for a bit. There was a few times that it was good. It was just, I believe it was turn, what, it was when it was starting to rain. So I want to say it's like around turn 12. And it was when the weather was changing to make it look super, super dark and really high winds. I think he just got caught off by the high winds and just went onto the grass. So it was potentially possible, but yeah, 10, 12 to the 13. So I think both of the McLaren's could have been in both of the top five. So I think Lando could have been and I think maybe the Piastri would have been P4. I think just probably where they've been realistically as well, because they haven't performed quite well-ish. So you now know that they are consistent to be up and battling with these, to get these top rows. So we'll see how it goes with Sprint. Obviously now a lot of eyes on them because of how... The performance was in Mexico with Norris qualifying and then also this qualifying today for Sprint as well, looking into it. Obviously, we, we do speak about, obviously, Sunday show. But for Sprint as well, Piastri won a Sprint. So I think it's possible that McLaren can get some well-needed points in the Constructors' battle tomorrow as well and then hopefully make some damage limitations on Sunday's race and have both of the drivers in the points. A one a sprint race this season and i called it in our bold prediction show where i said piastri will will win a race before orlando i didn't say grand prix i said a race and a sprint race is still a race so yeah so i am right on that one but yeah so next we'll have a quick test about red bull so max which comes as a shock to absolutely nobody he's p1 whoever saw that coming actually i think to be fair some of us didn't because red bull did look to be struggling a bit but like you said, he got himself stationed at the end of the pit lane. He went out first. And it's easy to look at the times and go, oh, he was the only car into the 110s. Because he did a 110.7 and Claire did a 111.0. That doesn't really account for anything because Max went out first, got his lap in, and then the, the weather was changing almost by the second. 
and it caught out Perez sadly because he was he was going round and he was going well. You know, he was always within a tenth or two of Max, which is what he needs. And then unfortunately, he had to basically come to a grinding halt because as he was about to hit that hit that lovely left through Jun Cow, he had to he had to slow down because there were yellow flags for Piastri. And I do also wonder if the track was like wet by that point because obviously Perez was behind him. So yeah, so. It's easy to look at that and go, oh, Perez, you know, two seconds behind Max Verstappen. Well, yeah, but it absolutely hammered it down with the rain. First of all, have a day off. And second of all, you know, Perez was actually doing pretty well. Whether he bottles into turn one on Sunday is a different question like he did last week, but I guess we'll wait and see. Do you think Max will just sail off into the sunset? I don't. Do you think he's under threat from the Ferrari? Or, or more re- realistically, one of the Aston Martins, that's plural, and that's not a joke, or potentially even one of the Mercs, provided they don't get penalties. Yeah. To be fair, Max's time in Q3 would have been the equivalent of P13 in Q1. So it was actually the slowest, one of the slowest times, but the fastest time of the chart as well. So he just got lucky with it. And then Perez, as mentioned, he just got caught out with Oscar's yellow flag and it just did a damper on his time because obviously he was in green. He was pushing for a personal best and then had to come to a really slow stop because of the yellow flags and not obviously risk getting a penalty. So he could have been a lot higher than what it was expected. Then obviously the weather came down. It's... It's easy to say that Max is going to run with it. We've seen it before when he's starting on pole. He might then actually equal his... It'll be balanced as well because he's won 26 races outside from pole and 25 from pole. So <laughs> if he wins, obviously that makes it all equal and balanced and all that. But yeah, I think there might be some battles potentially coming into it. But it, I think it's going to be more so Paris is going to be battling, trying to make up some ground... He is obviously the center of attention now because everyone's talking about the season where if his seat is still there for 2024, there was rumors that uh, Alonso going to it, Daniel Ricciardo, Charles, like this, Landa, like there's so many people that like apparently going to go for a seat. And even Max has been very diplomatic in his answers to media about if it's Daniel or if it's Checo. I think as well, because Checo is only 20 points ahead of Lewis, for that second spot in the driver's championship this is a key weekend because you have the sprint to get points and also the feature race i say feature the sunday race sorry thinking enough too because it's obviously the similar formats but i think this is probably the biggest race that he will have for the rest of the season obviously it doesn't say much because there's only three more races but Perez really needs to mix up some grounds and get points in both the sprint and the feature because otherwise it's just adding more nails to his coffin and his career, potentially. We'll see. Yeah, we know Max is going to win, let's be honest. We, if he's taking from pole, he's realistically going to get the win. He's obviously won it before. But obviously, which I will mention when we speak to about another team, there is a funny stat that's gone on since 2017 about who wins the race, depending on who, who got pole from a different Grand Prix in the same year. But we'll mention it later on. But... We'll see. I, all eyes are going to be on Paris this weekend for sure. Absolutely, they will. And you know, I do think people need to let up on him. But alas, he he is in what is easily the quickest car. I say easily, definitely the quickest car in the right hands on the grid. Speaking of cars, which sometimes quick, Ferrari. You know, 
again, much like McLaren, uh, sorry, much like Red Bull, I should say, you could look at them and say one driver is at the top of the, the Q3 standings, the other driver's at the bottom. Again, caught up by, by the ever-changing weather conditions that we had in Q3. Leclerc is qualified P2. He's three tenths behind behind Max. That both he and Max that they were that they were chatting as they were in the qualifying cooldown. Where, where full credit to the personnel who were involved, they thought rather quickly on their feet and just did the interviews from inside the garage where the safety cars and the medical cars are. The quick thinking, they still did it and they still kept it going. And and, um, and in that conversation, we heard Max and Charles saying. It was like they were driving when it was raining, but there was no, but they couldn't see any rain. That's how much of a phenomenon the weather that we've just seen was. And I know that some people will almost be us talking about the, about the weather that much, but it does make a difference to F1, as we've seen today. And the, they called the rain the great equaliser, obviously one of the greatest drivers ever. Ayrton Senna was a master in the wet. It was quite fitting that we've seen this at his home Grand Prix, but I'm just not fanboying about Senna. And I'm going to fanboy about... No, I'm not going to fanboy about Leclerc. Not bothered. But, but no, but both here and Max, you could say almost like class of their own when, when it comes to conditions like this. He's had remnants of last year when they were in a, apparently in a title battle for all of about four races. Do you think Ferrari have got any chance of anything tomorrow or do, or do you think they are once again set up for quality pace at the expense of race pace? I think the better, obviously, for sprint. Even James uh, Hinchcliffe, when he was interviewing Charles, for some reason, Charles does well when it's sprint weekend when it comes to qualifying because he, he's either pole or front row, pretty much, when it's sprint weekend. When it comes to the actual race, obviously, he drops down. This is the fifth time in a row that Carlos has been out-qualified by his teammate, by Charles as well. So it does show, like you're saying, his experience and how good of a driver Charles is as well. We'll see. I do think there is a good chance for Ferrari to have a podium. I think obviously it would be more realistic to Charles. However, it again, it all comes to the sprint. This sprint race on Saturday makes it so unpredictable because anything could happen. Obviously, the weather keeps on changing as well because there was, I believe it was on the radar for rain, but not that kind of rain. I think it's potentially like threatens of showers on Saturday and Sunday, but obviously just don't know because it can be completely dry and sunny and then bam it'll be completely raining so we don't know how it is it's very as you mentioned a very good equalizer in this sport with Ferrari I think come Sunday there is a really good opportunity for at least one of them to be on pole I would put my money on Charles over Carlos but when it comes to also sprint as well I think Charles could get the pole but I don't think they will be good for the sprint because I believe as well they want to save their tires and have a better strategy for Sunday than they would for Saturday because obviously we know that Ferrari strategy doesn't always go to plan very well and I think <laughs> we just need to ensure that we're full of points opportunities while they're in the constructors and drivers championship battles they can secure the maximum opportunity to get the maximum of points that they need and the sprint will do that for them. No exactly and yeah you have made some good points there so thank you for that. Mercedes, as it stands, they've locked out the fourth, whereas Hamilton P5, Russell P6, obviously Russell, his first sprint and then first Grand Prix race here last year, and Hamilton, sporting quite a impressive senator behind it has to be said, and the crowd adore him, even after the events of 2008, which is quite ironic, but also lovely at, at the same time. 
So I did almost shout to the TV, use that Glock when, when we had that weather because it was that Glock corner where Piastri went off. So I, I almost shouted, is that Piastri? But yes, that's just a nerdy me joke. As it stands, they are both P5-P6. Now, as we've mentioned, they are subject to investigation by the FIA. They've been summoned. The Russell for, I believe, was impeding in the pit lane as... So I want to say, I think it was Gasly came down the pit lane and obviously it's quite a tight pit lane, quite a fast pit lane as it drops downhill. So if we hear something by the end of this, we'll keep you updated. But as it stands, they are P5, P6. So we're going to be talking about that performance. So Russell was quickest in Q1 as he sat a lap right at the end and he sat softs. From the fourth row of the grid, bear in mind they've got Aston Martin in front of them who, I don't know, I don't know if they've just done... Control Z in AutoCAD and just gone back to their Bahrain spec. I, I don't know, but they've but they've been given that there has been a lot of hype. And I I for one, even as a Rebel fan, backed Hamilton to win this weekend because of how much he loves this circuit, the the, the rich train of form he's been in. Do you think he's perhaps a bit of certainly from Hamilton, who in my opinion has been wiping the floor with George Russell? Do you think it's been a bit of an under delivery from him in this quality today? Yeah, I mentioned, and I'm just going to start the stat straight away. I did mention about this five-year stat. It is whoever has taken pole in Hungary has won the race in Sao Paulo. Pole? What? Yeah, pole. So it dates back since 2017. And guess who took pole in Hungary? So Lewis did. So statistically, y'all know how much I like my numbers. I think he still has a good chance of winning. I backed him in the preview uh, episode as well that he would have a podium. I think as a P2 for him. So I think because of his experience and his love for this track and obviously being an honorary Brazilian given citizenship from that kind of way, I think it is all for him. When it comes to George, obviously he did win last year. To be fair, I was still expecting Lewis to win over George last year just because of kind of seniority records and all that as well but we can see that there is obviously Mercedes has done so much better compared to last year in the car development as well so I think having even both of the drivers potentially on podium is is not an unrealistic idea for it as mentioned George I think it's actually more than one issue that he's been summoned to the stewards about because he was slow on the outlaps more than once he almost was impeding another car in the pit lane because of trying to create the gap as well so it might be a few more penalties potentially. Again, we don't know because this is the first time that this rule has come into place during a race weekend. We'll see. I think also the just Q3's just timings were just not there because obviously they had a cool lap, then a mid-push lap, and then they were trying to do the final push and then that's when the rain came down. So I don't think this is a true representation of how qualifying the grid should be. For at least the top ten, for the top ten, I think Mercedes could have been a lot higher. Obviously, I mentioned Lando could have potentially taken pole. So I think tomorrow will show more realistic opportunity on how it's going to be. But yeah, so I think they'll do better in the sprint, and then they'll also set the tone to how Sunday will be as well. But I think definitely Lewis can still get the podium. Oh, absolutely, and I think if he does get a podium within the crowd, it's going to go absolutely wild. To be fair. I'll tell you someone who would have sent the crowd absolutely insane if they got a podium this weekend, but it'd be the Aston Martin reserve driver, Felipe Djokovic. And, and Aston Martin 
as you well teased us on their Instagram post, I think it was yesterday, where they did an, an announcement post for, for Djokovic and said that said that he's continuing for 2024. So, God, if they had us in the first half, boys, we'll get him next time. But speaking of getting him next time, somebody was saying this, given the sort of races they've had recently, and it's just mad to think about what a season they've had up to TV. Aston Martin locked out the second row on merit-ish. Lance Stroll out-qualified his teammate somehow. I don't know if I don't know if like Alonso was stabbing pins in the voodoo doll of, of Lance Stroll last night or something. But but yeah, Stroll P three. He was three tenths behind Leclerc, and then Alonso was point zero four behind his teammate. And both of them had looked strong. Stroll especially had looked really strong to all the quality. So where does this speed come from? Are they just? Are they? Do they just come to Brazil via Bahrain? You know, <laughs> if they did they muddled the cars up? Did they leave one of them in in the ports before it came to the before it came to Brazil? Where does this come from? I hate to say, but I think they just got lucky. I think they just came out at the right time for the Q three. Even Q two, Stroll was up there as well, which is very surprising. I think. We knew Aston Martin has had some good opportunities in Brazil and has had a good car for Brazil. So I think it wasn't unrealistic to see them not do well, but I was not expecting them to do this well. Shaw said the car was good in all the sessions, and then when it came to Q3, it was super bad, but he was one of the few drivers that was able to put like a proper kind of push time. But even still, it still wasn't a good purpose of time. Again, as I mentioned, that top 10, that order should have been completely different, I think, in my opinion. However, coming to Sunday, I think it's just going to drop down where we see, obviously, how Aston Martin has been in race pace. I think Alonso could still potentially, because of his experience, kind of battle out with the top, maybe top five for the points and everything. But I think with Stroll and how his driving is, I'm not expecting to see very well for him, which is really bad to say. We will see like this for Saturday's sprint race. I will tell you that right now. I think they will fall from grace and probably not get into spin shootout too because that's how <laughs> that's how they I think they just purely got lucky but who knows I might be wrong and y'all can come at me in the comments when we do the show tomorrow I'll be on it as well to talk about the spin race so make sure you tune in to grid talk but uh, I think do you do you think Alonso could get podium on Sunday Tom I do yeah because look at how many podiums he got in that car at the start of the season and given his experience just stroll, I think, will bottle it. It's he's been all right in the wet and stuff before, but Alonso has been. He's I'm surprised that he hasn't got to see a chiropractor for, to fix his back and carry in the team because he's he's been that good. And if it was if it wasn't for Alonso, they'd have slumped even further in, in the constructors' lacking play. But yeah, it's it's as as the is an interesting one. I I like the team because as is my favorite car manufacturer, and I will own one by the time I'm forty, but eleven years to go. So I'm working on it, but a Bentley first. But no, Aston, if they definitely have some weak points in that team, like one of the drivers and the guy who owns the team. Sorry, I let the intrusive thoughts win. And then there's definitely some operational issues, and they've run out of steam when it comes to the development race. But yeah, it's almost like we've gone back to the start of the season. McLaren not quite there. Max up there. Aston Martin nipping at the heels, all the rest of it. And Mercedes mixing it in the middle of the pack as opposed to like on the sort of front or second row. But so you did say that if people want to come at you tomorrow, first of all, 
please feel free. And second of all, if you do want to do so, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, but most episodes are recorded live. Now, we usually record quality, quality shows, sprint shows, and race shows. This particular quality show, due to technical difficulties, I do apologise as a technical person, is obviously not. But you can also catch them on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search, just search uh, Grid Talk Podcast, and you will find us. And you'll also find our sister show, which I really hope Sophia is going to give a plug to in a minute. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, and all that. Please do consider helping the channel on Patreon so we can get Mike's lights and better recording equipment. Um, also, make sure you're subscribed so you can go and buddy Sophia when when Alonso wins the sprint race tomorrow after qualifying P1 for it. Is that right, Soph? As I said podium maybe for a Sunday. I think they're just going to fall from grace tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely knew she... she both she and I have been absolutely cooking this this episode. It, it, it has been quite good. And I did mention that, um, Soph, you're the co-host of Formula Talk. I can't think who the other idiot who hosts it is. What's his name again? Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Is it Tom Horrex? <laughs> that's it, yeah. The old man yells at cloud guy, that's him. No, it's obviously you, as mentioned, at the beginning of the episode. Joining me as always before we talk. Yeah, we don't have an episode coming out this week as it is obviously there's no races, but we will have a special to preview the Macau 70th anniversary because we have a lot of F2 drivers, F3 drivers, and a few other surprises on that. So that will be our next episode before we preview the final race of the Formula 2 season in Abu Dhabi. Obviously, we have a few news that we'll be discussing a uh, lot to shakeups in IndyCar as well. So, discussing that briefly. But pretty much, you can listen to us whenever we post li- live. No, we still don't post live. Whenever we post on YouTube or wherever you listen to our podcast, it's under the same catalog as Grid Talk and also on social media as well, the same. But hopefully, yeah, it should be. We might have some special guests coming in during the break and also the off season as well so definitely stay tuned and check in on social medias when we do post those episodes absolutely we are looking to get some guests we are reaching out to people but yes you know if you did what you hear or what if you watch this live on the go live or if you need to watch later on youtube thank you so much and any views any you know, likes thumbs up comments folder i don't assign one of those youtube people because that's not but it does genuinely help, and we do read every comment, even if we don't necessarily respond to it in time. We do see everything. So, yeah, so thank you for that. We'll be back tomorrow to review Sophia's incorrect prediction about the, about the 2023 Brazilian Grand Prix Sprint. Yeah, you looked at me then and say, hang on, what? wait, what? Um, but no, we'll be back tomorrow evening to, to review. It'll be both the shootout, qualifying, but shootout, and the actual sprint race. Until then, thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Best Online, and goodbye.